We are on Ksubis Chav Chesam Abayz 28B1 in the Archgol Gemara, and we are going to be concluding the second parak, the second chapter of Ksubis. It's very exciting. Uh, moving on to the third parak for next week. Uh, we're in the middle of a discussion of different uh, cases where a uh, person is allowed to testify uh, as an adult about what happened when he was a child. He witnessed something when he was a child. In general, uh, one cannot testify about something which they saw when, when they were a child. Uh, but in this case, because these are cases which are only rabbinic, uh, so therefore we uh, do accept this form of testimony. It is, it is viewed as acceptable. One might have thought that it's not acceptable because either because, this is something that we mentioned in the last class, either because uh, whenever you testify, you have to be a halakhically valid witness at the time that you see it, or perhaps that, no, maybe the reason here is because you might have thought that a child, a minor under the age of 13 is not careful, uh, but on a rabbinic level, if it has only rabbinic ramifications, so then we see that they are in fact believed in these different cases. So the next case of the Mishnah that the Gemara will explain is this case of identifying somebody as a Kohen. Uh, now we pointed out in the last class that when, we de- when this person identifies somebody as a Kohen based on something which they saw, they witnessed as a child, it's only good enough to allow that person, to allow that Kohen to eat truma, which is only truma on a rabbinic level. So truma on a rabbinic level could be uh, different forms of produce which are found outside of Israel or perhaps fruit, potentially. That's, uh, that's a debate whether uh, fruit are on a biblical level or only on a rabbinic level even in Eretz Israel, even in Israel. Uh, but the ramifications would only be on a rabbinic level. So what did this uh, person witness as a child? That when they divided up the truma, uh, they would divide it up and this person was there. They, he, this child noticed uh, that this person was there and now they're, they are testifying in front of court uh, as an adult. So the Gemara says, I don't understand, but Dilma Evid Cohen who? Maybe... He is the slave, the non-Jewish slave of a Kohen. As we mentioned in the last class, a non-Jewish slave is also allowed to eat truma. Now, even though he's allowed to eat truma, there's a big question. Is he allowed to be the one who receives the gift of truma? Maybe, and we'll see that this is subject to debate, maybe he's only allowed to eat truma after the Kohen receives the truma, so then the Kohen has the right to give it uh, to his family, uh, to his animals, to his slaves. But who says that the slave has the right to actually uh, receive the gift of Shruma to begin with. So that is subject to debate. So the Gemara says, Tanan, come on, the Amar, in Chokin Shruma Levet, Elam Kin Rabo Imo. So it seems to me that our Mishnah is following the position that the slave cannot be the one that receives the Shruma. Why would, what, what is this deba- debate about? So uh, we'll see in one second. But the Tanya, it's taught in a Braisa. In Chokin Shruma Levet, Elam Kin Rabo Imo. Divir Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yossi Omer. Yachol Omer Mkonani Tanuli Bishil Atzmi Even Evid Konani Tanuli Bishil Rabbi Rabbi Huda says that you cannot give truma to a slave of a Kohen. You have to give it to a Kohen, the gift to a Kohen. The Kohen can then decide whether or not he wants to give it to the slave. Rabbi Yossi says, no, it's not true. A person could come as a Kohen. A person could come as the slave of a Kohen. Uh, what's the logic behind this? So explains the Gemara Ben Makomosh Rabbi Yehuda Harim Malin Mitrumal Yosin. In the community of Rabbi Yehuda, if the person received truma as the gift, so then that wasn't viewed as enough proof that the person is a Kohen. Because it's viewed as enough proof that the person is a Kohen, so then we don't want his slave to be the one that's receiving the gift, because then people will then say, you know what, this slave is really, 
uh, this non-Jewish slave is really a Kohen, and people will get confused. So that's why in the place of Rabbi Yehuda, in the neighborhood of Rabbi Yehuda, they did not give it to a Kohen. Moving on to 28b2, however, in the place of Rabbi Yossi, they didn't. They said just because you received Tiruma doesn't impact whether or not we view you as a full-fledged Kohen with regards to other areas that impact whether or not you're a Kohen. Uh, so it doesn't impact it. Just because you receive truma doesn't impact whether or not we view you as a full-fledged Kohen. And so therefore, in the town of Rabiosi, uh, he, he held that you could give truma as the gift to the slave of a Kohen because nobody's going to assume that you're actually a full-fledged Kohen. Okay, so this is subject to debate. It seems to be, says the Gemara, that our mission is following the position that says they would not give it to a, the slave of a Kohen must be that if this person who's uh, testifying about what happened as a child must be that they gave it to a full-fledged Kohen. And we believe him, at least with regards to ramifications on a rabbinic level. So the Gemara now has the following story. Tanya. Almar Rabbalazar the son of Rabbiosi, said, I never testified. He says, I never testified in my life. One time I decided to testify. I testified once in my life. What happened? I, I messed up. I messed up and I thought that the person wasn't a, a slave. I thought that he was a, not a slave of a Kohen. I thought he was a full-fledged Kohen. And they ended up making him into a Kohen, even though he was just the slave of a Kohen. You see, that's what happens when I testify. So the Gemara says, really? Hello, Salkadetach is really true that they ended up elevating him, to the slave, to a status of being a Kohen? We have a principle, very interesting principle, that... Uh, tzaddikim, those who are very righteous, the, the holiest of our generations, so uh, something bad doesn't come out of it. And specifically, uh, the context that it's referring to here is that uh, nothing will, bad will happen to their, to their property, to their animals, um, and so then certainly not to tzaddikim themselves, that uh, this person was a very big tzaddik, the one who testified, so nothing bad would come out of his testimony. What do you mean nothing bad comes out of his testimony? Nothing bad comes ends up happening to tzaddikim. So what does that mean? That's, uh, uh, bad things do happen sometimes. Uh, so what it means, at least this is the way that uh, Tosus explains it and others, is that uh, with regards to uh, somebody eating something which you're not supposed to eat. So when you eat something which you're not supposed to eat, that won't happen to tzaddikim, to those who are righteous. And they also won't lead others to eat something which, which they're not supposed to eat because we know there's a principle that if you eat something which you're not supposed to eat, so then that has an impact, impact on you. It has timtum halev. It causes, it causes a real spiritual impact on the person based on what they eat. And so therefore, this idea is that for tzaddikim, for those who are the, the highest of our generation, so then they won't do something which will then lead to some uh, problem in terms of uh, what a person eats. And so then so too over here. How could it be that through his testimony, he thought he was doing the right thing. He wasn't lying. He thought he was doing the right thing. How could it be that this person who's really, he's really the slave of, of a Kohen and not a Kohen himself, how could it lead to a problem? What problem could it potentially lead to? So some want to say, because the slave of the Kohen is allowed to eat truma, but his children can't. Uh, but if you confuse him for an actual Kohen, so then his children are Kohanim, and it could lead to a problem where the children of this slave end up eating truma, and they're not allowed to eat truma. Uh, so that's what the Gemara is asking. The Gemara is asking how it's impossible. Uh, it, it cannot lead to such a scenario where uh, somebody's going to eat something which they're not allowed to eat. So the Gemara answers: Elabikshulalos Evid Lukunapi. Doesn't mean that the slave actually got the status of a Kohen and it led to uh, some problem. No, he. It, it almost happened. It almost almost happened. That's what his testimony would have led to, 
but it was stopped beforehand. It was stopped beforehand. How did his testimony almost lead to that? How did he get confused? Very easy. Chaza basra jirbiyosi, v'azza basra basra jirbiyuda. Rabbi Lazar, he saw what happened in the community of Rabbiosi. In the community of Rabbiosi, they're allowed to give Truma as a gift to the slave of a Kohen. He ended up testifying in the neighborhood of Rabbi Yehuda where they don't give gifts of Truma to the slave of a Kohen. They only give it to the Kohen himself. So because he testified in the neighborhood of Rabbi Yehuda, so then people thought that in Rabbi Yehuda, that it must be that he's a Kohen. When in fact, no, the action actually took place in the neighborhood of Rabbiosi. In the neighborhood of Rabbiosi, no, that would never... Uh, that they would give, uh, they would give it even to the slave of a Kohen. So that's what he attempted to do through his testimony, but at the end, it did not end up happening. Okay, that is the end of that case. Next case, next case. An adult could testify that as a child they knew that a certain place is a base hapras. What does it mean, a base hapras? What is a base hapras? So a base hapras is essentially a field where somebody was buried. Uh, and therefore, there's uh, impurity. Wherever the person was buried, there's this uh, impurity of, of a dead dead person. So Kohanim cannot go there, and a person becomes tummy, they become impure. What happened was that they plowed the field. The bones got scattered all over. And so therefore, we have a certain area where we say that we have to be concerned. We're stringent. There's an added level of stringency on a rabbinic level. There's an added level of stringency that we don't know where the bones are uh, because that also transfers impurity. And so this person testifying and saying, I know it's up to here. Beyond that, it's, uh, we don't have any problem. It's pure. That there's no problem there for Kohan to walk there. A person does not become impure on a rabbinic level. My time, well, what's the reason for this? Again, the reason is because Beis HaPras Rabbanon. This whole concern is only a concern on a rabbinic level. And so therefore, we will believe the person to say that as a child, I remember that up to here was, the, uh, was where people were concerned for impurity. Beyond that, they weren't concerned. Dumb review, dumb Shmuel, because Shmuel says... A person could blow. The way that they could get out of it, they blow on the ground to see if there's any bones there. They're not going to touch anything. They'll blow on the ground and walk. Blow on the ground and walk. That they could do. Rav Yehuda Bar Ami. Rav Yehuda Bar Ami said, He says that if it was trampled on by many people, so then we're no longer concerned. We say that if it was trampled on by many people, not only was it plowed and therefore the bones were scattered, but once it was trampled upon by many people, the bones became too small to transfer impurity. The, the size was too small. My taima, because it becomes smaller than the size of a barley grain. If the bone is smaller than the size of barley grain, it does not transfer over its impurity. And so therefore, because we have all these different leniencies that you could blow and that uh, if people stomp all over it, so then... Uh, then it, it loses uh, loses our concern, and so therefore we know this is only a rule on a rabbinic level. Okay, says the next case of the mission of An adult can testify that as a child, I remember there's a concept of rabbinic law that uh, a person cannot leave the uh, limits, the outer limits of the city, two thousand amos. They can only go within two thousand amos. Beyond that, they cannot walk on Shabbos. And so the person testifies that as a child, we walked up to this point. This is now the limit. Why? There's a dispute about this, but uh, the mission is of the opinion. This is how we follow that this is only a rabbinic concern. This is not a biblical, others argue, it's not a biblical concern, but really it's just according to our mission on the way we follow, it's only a rabbinic concern. Okay. Next case. 
But they are not believed. What is a case where they are not believed? They are not believed when it comes to monetary issues. And this is what we mentioned in uh, the last class uh, because this is a biblical issue. To remove money from somebody else, that's a biblical concern. We're, we're very hesitant to do that. So a person can't testify about something which they saw as a child. My time We will not uh, take away money from one person to give it to somebody else. Uh, it's not that uh, that's a biblical concern, and we won't uh, believe such testimony. Okay, Tanarabana. We have the following brisa, and the Gemara will continue on with this brisa, um, essentially until the end of the Gemara of this parak. A child uh, could say. What this really means is that uh, a person, as an adult, could say what they saw as a child. That I know my father told me that this family is Tahor, is pure, this family is Tame. What does that mean? Torah Tameh, Salkadet, what does it mean this family is pure, impure? That has nothing to do with families, rather. Al Mishpachazuk Sheru, Mishpachazuk Psula, that this family has fit genealogy, this family has unfit genealogy. That they're believed to say. What are they also believed to say? That we ate at the Ketzatza. We're not going to explain what this is right now. The Gemara will explain what it is towards the end. Uh, but that we ate at it's a certain thing, a certain uh, event, which we'll see what that is in a minute. And that we would bring chala, uh, the chala, which is the gift of the dough that we give to the kohen, and other gifts we would give to the kohen to prove that the person is a kohen. But they're only believed with regards to the gifts. They are only believed if they said that their father gave it to them as a messenger to give it to the kohanim. If it came from somebody else, so then that's already a little bit of a gray area. Is it really true? Is it not true that the person's a Kohen? And so therefore we won't believe them. And when they testify about what they did as a child, if they're just the messenger of some other person, if it's, if it's their father, the father's telling them this is a Kohen, then they'll be believed. But otherwise, they wouldn't be believed. Okay, those are also other cases. The Gemara then says, Vekulon, with regards to all these different cases, let's say it's not. we're not talking about uh, somebody testifying as an adult about what happened as a child. But let's say we have something else. Let's say they're testifying as a Jew who converted about what happened when they were not Jewish. When they were not Jewish, they weren't able to testify in a Jewish court. They're not believed. Also, if they convert because they were slaves. Slaves, non-Jewish slaves who are freed, they convert. Same idea. That uh, Are they allowed to testify after they become Jewish about events that happened when they, were, when they weren't Jewish, before they converted? So, according to one opinion, it says, They are not believed. According to the first opinion, they are not believed. We'll see why in a minute. But the Gemara goes back to the goes returns to the Brisa, which has the same idea as our Mishnah. Also, a child, an adult testifying as a child, they're not believed with regards to monetary issues. And then finally, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka Omer Nehmanim. We have this last line of this Brisa that says Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka says that they are believed. What is it talking about, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka Ahai? What what case is he talking about that? That they are believed. What do you mean they are believed? If it's about the last line that they're believed as a, to say that as a child they witnessed something about transferring money, how are they believed for that? That's uh, that's that's a, a biblical issue about extracting money, um, and uh, they wouldn't be believed for that. So what must he be referring to? El Arisha. He's referring to the previous ruling. argues on the first opinion and says. That if a, a convert testifies about what happened before they converted, they're believed to the same degree with regards to rabbinic law. Not with regards to biblical law. But with regards to rabbinic law, they are believed. So we have an interesting dispute about this. 
So what are they arguing about? But Micah Mifligi, Tanakama Savar came into over Kochav Mehulo Havadayek. Rabbi Yochum Ben Broko Savar came into Dayek. They agree, made the Dayek. We know that an adult testifying about it as a child on a rabbinic level with rabbinic ramifications will believe that they that they um, that they know what they're talking about, that they really uh, uh, know all the details. The question is, as 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 a non-Jew. Uh, when you when a person converts, so then do they actually remember all the details? Do they know to the level that the Jewish courts require or not? According to the first opinion, no, they're not so careful. They don't know. They're, they're not so careful. The second opinion says we do believe them. Why? Because since they know that they plan on converting, so then they're going to pay pay close attention to what's happening because they know that maybe they'll act as a witness down the line for for the for the Jewish courts. So they are paying attention. Interesting dispute. Okay. The Gemara finally concludes. My Ktsatsa, we had in that Brisa that they t- could testify about something called a Ktsatsa. Very interesting. What's a Ktsatsa? The Tanah Rabbanan. It is taught in a Brisa. Ketsa Ktsatsa. What is a Ktsatsa? So it's as follows. Again, so let's say you have a family. One of the brothers, let's say it's a Kohen family. This is how the Rambam explains it. There's a Kohen family. One of them marries somebody they're not allowed to marry. So the children now are Chalalam. They have the status of a Chalal, of a disqualified Kohen. Not, no, the children are not Kohanim, or, or they don't have a full-fledged Kohen status. So what does the family do? The family comes. They bring a barrel full of fruit. They break it in the middle of the public square. In the middle of the public, they break it. And what happens? And they say, Everybody listen up! Our brother is marrying somebody they're not, he's not allowed to marry. He's a Kohen. He cannot marry this woman. And I'm, we're concerned that people are going to confuse his children with ours. This should be a sign for all generations. That you shouldn't confuse his uh, his uh, descendants with, with ours. And so a child could in fact testify about this. And uh, why specifically fruits did they, did they break there? So that children would actually go there. It's uh, specifically so that um, so that the children would go there perhaps and the children would actually remember this so that it will be remembered for a very long time even, even as adults uh, so they remember it by giving all the, them these sweet uh, fruit um, so it's an interesting idea that they, that they have here to, to, as a way of publicizing the fact that they don't want people to confuse their brother's uh, children with their own okay this concludes the parak Mazel Tov and we'll next week God willing, begin the third parak, the third chapter.